Hello, podcast world. This is Brandon Bickmore, your turbo lover. This is the Minds Gym podcast. Uh, we're here to share some amazing stories and assist in changing lives and hopefully change the way you see your world and to create peace and love on this beautiful planet. I suffered from severe anxiety and depression for several years recently, and I hope by sharing other stories and my story and experiences that will benefit you. I want to sincerely thank you for your support and please post comments and likes in the appropriate sections. We rely on your support and feedback to keep the podcast running and making this world a better place. When your mind is in a clear and understanding and natural peaceful place, your world shifts and so do the people you surround yourself with. Your energy field and how you see others is creating your relationships with others and how you communicate with them. So how do we get clear? Well, let's discuss this with our kind guest today. I'm here with Burke Priest, one of my dear friends, and uh, we'll be talking about uh, his journey in the recent last 10 to 12 years and uh, what he's been through and what he's found that's helped him find some peace on this planet. So. Um, Burke was an alcoholic, experimented with drugs. He was an adrenaline junkie, crazy. Uh, became lost, confused, maybe even an egomaniac. He was an entrepreneur, still is. Um, uh, a hellion, uh, was dishonest uh, here for the last probably 10 or 12 years. A little rough around the edges, and uh, he was a Harley guy. That's kind of how I met Burke. I bought a motorcycle from him at one of the uh, motorcycle shop in Murray that he started probably 15 years ago. So I want to thank Burke for showing up today and having the courage to speak uh, with me and also to share his story with you. It takes a special, special person to sit down and want to share their story with uh, the world. So thanks for showing up, Burke. Thanks, Brandon. I'm really excited about your project, and I appreciate you having me on. You bet. Um, so tell me, Burke, just a little bit about you, uh, your name, full name, age, city, state, where you grew up, a little bit about the wife and kids, and just a quick, brief history of uh, maybe where you were born and raised. Yeah. Berkeley Gerald Priest from Ogden, Utah. Um Grew up in Ogden, absolutely loved Ogden. Incredible uh, adventure. Uh, Mecca, you know, incredible ski areas. It's just, it was an awesome place to grow up. We could we could run wild. We could ride motorcycles right out our back door. It was just a cool, cool place to grow up. I did, uh, I got my first job working at a motorcycle store uh, in Ogden, which kind of uh, sparked my career and passion and a lot of those things. Uh, that that came in the following years. But yeah, as Brandon said, I was an adrenaline junkie, uh, raced competitively, motorcycles, jet ski, watercraft, traveled the, went around the United States a couple years in a row on the national circuit racing, racing watercraft and, and was always into mischief and trouble and, and certainly alcohol as well. Um, moved to Salt Lake City uh, in 1991 to go to college at the University of Utah where I met my wife. Uh, we just celebrated our 25-year wedding anniversary, and we've we've got two kids, and I've had a, a real exciting life filled with 
adventure and fun. Um, a lot of great projects, and unfortunately, a lot of a lot of a lot of self-imposed troubles and 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 things that I wouldn't recommend to someone. But but at the same time, I, I sure hope I can share and 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 help people steer clear of some of the mistakes I made and 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 uh, or and or if you're involved in any of the things that I that I got caught up in, we can pull you out of that and send you off in a better direction, which I'm living proof is 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 just uh, the only way to go in life. I'm convinced of that after three years of, of sobriety. Cool. Um, let's talk just briefly, Burke, about uh, how I met you. Uh, I know you had a, Hurley shop, a Harley shop in Murray, Utah that was called Classic Motorcycles. That's correct, yes. And I think uh, my buddy Willie bought a Harley and was handed me to get a motorcycle. I think I was 25 or 26. It was probably 90, 94, 24, 98. I opened yeah. the doors. So I think I my Harley was a 98, mm-hmm. and I think it came out that year, the year before. So it was in 98, I believe, when we met. Um, so I think that was my first encounter. Maybe I met you a couple times previous to that. But uh, anyways, we bought them Harley. And then, I don't know if we went that year or the following year, we planned a trip to Sturgis, which is in South Dakota. And uh, me and you and four or five other buddies head out for the Sturgis rally. And uh, it was a party, to say the least. Yeah, no question. Um, that was uh, that was the thing we would do. We would... We would fuel our adventures with with alcohol and 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 egos and and uh, no question we we rode those motorcycles you know not the way they were designed to be ridden that's for sure (laughs) (laughs) definitely uh i briefly remember there was i think three or four of us we hopped on my buddy's scott's uh motorhome i think he had a 40 foot motorhome um, we were pulling a trailer of probably four or five or six Harleys. Maybe it was just the four of ours that were in the motorhome, but uh, I think we left at like eight or nine at night. It's maybe a six or eight hour drive from Salt Lake, probably. And I remember we were drinking and partying 10, 11, 12 o'clock at night. I think I remember... Uh, Scott got sick of driving, so I'm like, I'll take the wheel. I probably had a couple too many drinks to be driving. I think we're going 85, 90 miles an hour down the freeway. Midnight, 1, 2 in the morning, everyone's partying in the back of the motorhome, and I'm up front just soloing this 40-foot RV. Uh, I remember three or four deer ran out in front of me, and we were on a two-lane highway. And uh, I've driven enough vehicles enough, and I'm smart enough to have the wits about me not to swerve, but I do remember swerving slightly to miss the deer that were coming across the freeway and uh, how I missed those deer and and didn't roll the RV and roll the trailer packing the four or five Harleys we had behind us. I have no idea. I think uh, God or the universe had a small, <laughs> important role to play in uh, me surviving that trip. Um, What else do you remember about that trip, Burke? 
Well, I, I didn't ride in the motorhome with you guys. I got there. I rode my motorcycle there. You and I were talking before the podcast. I, I was trying to remember if it was that Sturgis trip or the previous one where I actually hit a deer on my motorcycle driving there. So, so yeah, we were both crossing that same mountain pass that was filled with deer. And, uh, and yeah, how we all made it there, how we all got home uh, um, is a little uh, <laughs> vague. But, uh, but yeah, it was, a, it was a trip where we all showed up at a place that really there were no rules. I mean, you know, it's an adult free-for-all. Everyone goes to Sturgis, and your IQ is, is you throw it out the window, and you drink as much as you possibly can. I mean, I'm not here to try and say Sturgis is a bad place. This is how we did it. And... Uh, and you know, there's, uh, it's just what happened, and and yeah, it was it was chaos. We had a lot of fun. We saw a lot of beautiful sights. But you know, as I won't take up too much of the the podcast, but I, I went back to Sturgis here just a couple months ago with my wife for the first time in my life, stone sober. I've never been to Sturgis sober, and I can't, I can't believe how beautiful that place is. What an incredible experience to go there and actually witness the Black Hills and. So we did it. it. It's over and done with. <laughs> we we moved on and and we survived it. But but yeah, we all treated ourselves uh, a little differently than we would conduct ourselves nowadays. Yeah, we might have tortured ourselves. We just uh, didn't have clear enough lenses to see what we were doing. Yeah. Um, I'll share another brief uh, experience we had. I I think we were uh, driving into town. We we're on our bikes one night and. Uh, I remember, uh, you know, I, you got to wear helmets or no helmets there? Hel- I don't no think helmets, right? I don't think it was helmets. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, but one of our buddies wasn't wearing eye protection, meaning didn't have glasses on or motorcycle glasses or sunglasses or whatever. And we thought, ah, you know, they don't pull you over unless they can find a reason to pull you over. Well, we didn't know that eye protection was the law in South Dakota if you don't wear eye protection you'll get pulled over. So we were in town and our buddy gets pulled over and uh, gets in trouble for no eyewear. And of course we were drinking and partying and next thing you know, they're hauling his bike off and out of there and he's in trouble and uh, he's without a bike. They impound his bike. And so um, we decide that uh, uh, he's going to ride with me the rest of the week. So I had a, a bitch on my motorcycle for the next four or five days, which is, when we look back on it, we had a heck of a time, but it was interesting. And previous to that, Burke might share this story a little better than I could. Uh, when we got there, we pulled in in the morning. I think it was the morning we pulled in. Maybe Burke wasn't there. Were you there when I rode the Harley up the hill? Yeah, yeah, I was. Explain that to our audience. Well, what I can recall, of course, because it was a... And, you know, the entire trip from the from the time we left Salt Lake City was one big party. But, yeah, when we arrived uh, at the campground that we were staying at where the motorhome was parked, there was there was quite a hill on the on the backside of the the RV park. And for some reason, Brandon just thought it'd be a great idea to see how high he could climb this hill on his motorcycle and on his Harley. No, no doubt. Yeah. On his Harley. And. And uh, it was 
it wasn't a, cl- a, a hill that you would even ride a motocross bike up. It wasn't a hill you'd even hike up. And why Brandon <laughs> thought that climbing it on his Harley would be a good idea. But, you know, alcohol does those things and, and partying and ego and all the things that he's obviously going to discuss uh, play a role in, in that. But, yeah, we, we survived. But it's it, quite an experience, actually. Yeah, and on my Harley, it was a 98 Road King. I just bought it, I don't know, six months ago or a year earlier and uh, tipped going up the hill. Obviously, the Harleys are so damn heavy, I couldn't keep it upright. Tipped it over, rolled down the hill, tipped over once or twice, dented the tank, broke all the rearview mirrors, broke the lights. Uh, so now I got a bike that the lights aren't working. So now I've got a dented up Harley with twisted up handlebars that... Uh, uh, I decided uh, Willie and I were going to ride the rest of the week because uh, I think that was the first day, and then Willie got in trouble the second or third day. And anyways, uh, Willie and I rode to, we uh, we all as a group rode together, but we went to Mount Rushmore and Crazy Horse and Deadwood and hit all the spots, and Willie and I loaded up. My Harley had side bags on it, so we filled it up with ice, loaded it up with beer, and... Uh, Headed on out at seven or eight one of those evenings, rode for six, eight hours, and uh, Willie just open up a beer and hand one to me, and I'd guzzle it and hand it back and set it in the side bags, and we'd move on. But that's back in the days when uh, we weren't running from our better, higher self, obviously. So, anyways, just an interesting story. That's kind of one of the first experiences I had with Burke. Um, but anyway, so Burke, how did you uh, come into your new life's journey that you're presently experiencing? Well, on, on June 21st, 2016, is the last the last drop of alcohol I had. Um, so how did I come into my new life's journey? That, that was certainly the day that the decision was made that I couldn't live the previous life I had lived. Um, but it, uh, the new life journey was, it, when the decision was made, the willingness was made to to go the other direction, that's when the, the miracles began to unfold, uh, such as reconnecting with Brandon through a, a, a series of just amazing opportunities and I guess I'll have to think on that how how my new life evolved, but it uh, um, it was it was certainly an ad- an adventure. What about um, and you can chat about this or not? What about your Porsche experience when you got pulled over? Um, that was one thing that you mentioned to me a while back when you got pulled over and went to jail. Yeah, during that experience when you were having a real rough, that was probably at your low, yeah, I assume. That so was maybe that could have been something that affected your push towards a better Burke. That was certainly one of the many pivotal uh, turning points. I did. I was I was driving a uh, a nearly nearly new sports car that I was essentially trying to keep up with that unsustainable life I was living and I was driving while intoxicated with open container with a 12 pack of beer um, 
I also, and, and driving recklessly and, and yeah, that, that day I got pulled over. That was a, that was another massive, massive turning point, um, which created, you know, just a whole laundry list of, of problems under the circumstances. I was separated from my wife at that point. It was just a really challenging stage of life, and, and I was just doing all the wrong things, and, and it, uh, yeah, that was a big turning point. Was there any other crazy experiences that that kind of pushed you further down the rabbit hole that you want to share? Any big ones that show up for you? Well, um, yeah. (laughs) There is more to the story. It was in the midst of, all this took place in the midst of a manic psychosis event that I was experiencing. I, uh, I had, uh, I had actually gotten to the point with my depression and some of the challenges I was dealing with in life that uh, I had been taking an antidepressant uh, drug, Lexapro, since about 2008. And, uh, and by June, or excuse me, by early 2016, February 2nd to be exact, I was so frustrated with my current state of life, my, my internal dialogue, my, my anger and, and frustration, I thought, well, if I stop taking this, this drug, maybe I'll be able to get back to my old self. Well, of course, what I didn't know is until I go change my, my, my behavior, stop my drinking, stop my, my, my ego, stop fueling all the things that were literally poisoning me and, and ruining me from the inside out, there, I wasn't going to be able to change it by just altering an antidepressant, but but nonetheless, um, my wife and I were really at odds, and, and our marriage was falling apart, and I said to myself, okay, I'm going to try and get back to who I used to be prior to ever needing an antidepressant. So February 2nd, 2016, I stopped taking an SSRI drug. That combined with excessive alcohol use and quite a bit of er- experimentation with marijuana um, and, and a complete cold turkey withdrawal of that drug, you know, no assistance with from a, the doctor who had originally prescribed it. Um, I went into a, a full psychosis. That was my official diagnosis was manic psychosis. And I, I, uh, I, I went crazy. I'm sure if anyone listening knows what manic psychosis is or or has er- heard of anyone that's been referred to as crazy? Well, I I lived through that. I and so we talk about these stories of the Porsche, and you know I had handguns on me because I was paranoid. I was absolutely paranoid. So I thought everyone was out to get me. So I was I, I always had two guns with me at all times. And during that situation, you know, my wife and I were separated, and I actually she actually had a protective order against me because of my craziness that I was experiencing with this, with this psychosis. And so, yeah, it, that, that was, that was a huge, huge turning point, even though I wasn't able to get a hold of myself at that point, the law and several other things intervened to start the, uh, the, the, the change in life, which, uh, 
which ultimately I was able to uh, participate myself in the change. The, the law was doing its part. All of the different circumstances were, were, were coming together. And then when I finally put down the alcohol and any additional substances that I was putting into my body, uh, that's, when, that's when the miracles of change began to happen. Cool. Um, uh, share with us like how uh, you kind of shifted or, or, or what, what gave you the thought to maybe move and shift and understand that the medications were no longer working? Like, wh- where does that thought show up? Where does it come from? Well, y- you're talking back f- in February when I... Th- um, when you went cold turkey, like, why? And then the miracles started showing up. Like, why did you decide that this life you were living was no longer working for you or serving you? Um, well, that's a, that's a great, that's a great question. But, you know, when all of the results that I was getting from life were, were negative and, and I was always running into to brick walls and always, and facing increasing, uh, my relationship were always challenged and, and I couldn't, I just was losing the ability to live a life of miracles and 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 opportunity and i was boxing myself into a life of 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 challenges and mind torture and torment and failures at the 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 life i was living you can't think of like one particular event that said this no longer works for me like as far as the drinking, the party, and you said you went cold turkey on the medications. Do you remember the day you had the shift or what happened? Or was it just a slow process? Did you make a phone call? Did somebody call you? What? There was a particular event which made me make this decision to, to stop that, to stop the medication. And that was, you know, marital challenges that we were that I was, that I had imposed upon my, my wife. They were, they were all my problems that I was bringing to the relationship because I was unsatisfied with the life I was living. I was running into roadblocks left and right, and I couldn't go out and continue to live the life that I wanted to live. And, uh, and, um, she had told me that, you know, either a divorce was inevitable or, or I'd have to fix my life in in some way, shape, or form, and I, um, and I told her I said I, I just if I'm going to be able to to behave and act and and think the way I used to, which I felt like I previously had a, a pretty good life, that I would that I would have to get, you know, that I would have to get off the medications that were that were helping me deal with my depression. So. It was a it was a very arrogant, a very unassisted. Like I said, there was no. I did it against everyone's will. It was it was my own decision. But I felt like my life was was a dead end road unless I did something. Cool. So maybe did your wife uh, possibly threatening divorce make you second guess your uh, life or the decisions you were making at that time? Absolutely, yes. Cool. Um, 
I got to tell you listeners to talk to Burke today and talk to him 15 or 20 years ago when I knew the old Burke and the new the new Burke. He's almost unrecognizable. Literally when this guy walks in the room, I every time he walks in, I I as we do, we we remember the old human that we met back in the day. And uh this guy has changed his life full circle 360 degrees it's an amazing to watch him uh, the way he shows up the way he carries himself his attitude uh, it's incredible and it's a uh, night and day compared to uh, 15 20 years ago back in the days when he was going off the rails and I believe I was right by his side off the rails with him um, what about your parents, Burke? How have they influenced your life maybe today and even 20 years ago, 15 years ago when you are off the rails? How's the parents play into this whole journey? Oh, my, my parents are, are incredible. They, uh, my mom is a very, very spiritual person and, and she never gave up on me, not, not for one second. Um, it's pretty incredible actually to hear some of the stories she, she talks about when the, the things were the darkest and deepest, the, the prayers and the, uh, abilities that she had to influence me without me knowing, uh, through her spirituality. Uh, my dad's a wonderful man. He, he took a much rougher approach, which I truly appreciate. Uh, he, uh, he kind of used the help of the law and a really, really firm hand to try and break me out of things. And, and, and again, I can't, I can't thank him enough for, for the role that he played in what he did. And then I have a a surrogate father, a very close friend who, you know, basically was the guardian angel. And he, he was, he was always just there to, 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 you know, to do anything he could. And, and, uh, just this incredible, and I think we all have this in life. We never know it until things really, really get bad in our lives, but we always have this incredible network of people that think about us and love us. We just, sometimes they don't have to be there because they're off fighting other fires and dealing with other things. But, uh, you know, I'll never even know because I was so gone, so egotistical, so arrogant, so intoxicated, and so, you know, psychotic as the th- as the things were happening. But I, I had an incredible team around me that uh, that made sure and made made sure I didn't die essentially, because that's that's the path I was on. And there were several near death experiences, but uh, that's another another story. Uh, what about your wife too, Burke? I know uh, Burke's wife's name's Nicole. She's actually a uh, doctor. Um, tell us, Burke, what kind of doctor she is, and then also how she's kind of influenced you through your journey, as far as your rough journey, and and part far as your present day's journey, and the last two or three years. Explain a little bit about your wife to us. Yeah, my wife's name is Nicole. She's she's you know the most amazing person on earth. There's there's absolutely no question of that. Um, I thank my lucky stars almost every day. Um, she understood the true medical side of what happened to me. Um, she, you know, 
probably no one, unless you're in the medical profession, would understand some of the chemical changes and some of the things that are happening within a brain. Uh, and, and, and of course, that's the only reason why we're together today is her understanding of that. But, but yeah, she, uh, it, it, it's truly amazing watching her change her focus on medicine and the way she conducts her, her practice. Um, she's, she's actually shifted from a family practice doctor to a lifestyle medicine doctor because of her passion for the importance of lifestyle change and and um, the things that we need to do to conduct our, you know, the ways we need to conduct ourselves to to live and sustain a healthy lifestyle. Um, but yeah, she was there. She was there every step of the way, and and it just remarkable. We just just celebrated 25 years. Um, we had many many incredible years early in our marriage, and and then I progressively just let alcoholism and and a lot of you know the buildup of my character flaws, defects, however you want to call them, just the way I started to conduct myself um, as a result of the poison that I would put into my body, meaning, uh, you know, marijuana, alcohol, those, those things that just shaped my, my, my character and, and, and a poisonous person that I became. Uh, but yeah, we had incredible years early on in our marriage, and I think that's what gave her hope that, that at some point I would come back around and, and thankfully through, you know, just incredible resources. Again, I'll say this, Brandon being one of them and, and, and just these incredible resources that we all have at our fingertips, we can make the changes in our life to live the best version of ourself and, uh, and certainly put our lives on any trajectory, any path we want. Yeah. Um, thought on that is too is here's Burke struggling going off the rails he's got a wife that it's a doctor that could prescribe any medication necessary to help out a human being but as you realize uh, you've gone down this path there's no medication that can find you sanity on this planet sanity is found from within uh, I went down the same path, tried all medications, anti-anxiety, anti-depression on and off for 10 or 15 or 20 years. And just one day, you know, realized, became allergic to medications, broke out in hives. Like, I had to buckle down and say, hey, buddy, uh, this is no longer working for you. you got to go dig deep, look inside, and start asking some serious questions. And that's what's uh, so neat about all the programs that are available out there is is uh you know if you dig deep and ask some questions you can you know find out what's causing your stressful thought before you have that drink or you know take that pill or you know go down the CBD THC you know whatever it may be what's the thought you're having before you experience that drug and and, and there is a way out that's kind of why we started that podcast and We'll get more into it, um, you know, as these podcasts continue. But uh, yeah, Brandon, I want to add to that. You know that there's no need for a drug, a pill, if you do the dirty work. The problem is no one wants to do the dirty work. The dirty work is hard. It's not easy to change your thinking. It's not easy to clear your baggage. It's not easy to fix your character defects and flaws. And and 
you know, so everyone wants to just mask it and cover it up. But I'm here to say it'll come back to haunt you. It's, it's just the way it is. But as soon as you deal with the issue that causes you the depression or anxiety, then you're home free. You're clear. I'm not a doctor, and I certainly can't sit here and say no one should be on anything. But I can say that probably 99% of people that take an antidepressant could resolve their own situation if they were willing to put in the work through lifestyle change. I agree, and... and I'd agree with uh, Burke, and like I say, medication is necessary in particular situations, but um, uh, in my journey, I realized it was no longer working for me, and so um, with that being said, Burke, how, what are you doing today to kind of exercise your mind, deal with the daily stressors and the daily anxieties that, that show up, because we're all human, uh, uh, you and I have learned a lot in the last three years. Um, how to ben- better manage our minds, how to better um, see the world, uh, uh, how to have less uh, stressors um, that show up on this planet. Like, what what do you do and what are you doing uh, to, to help you uh, stay on this incredible path that you're on? Well, I actually do a lot. Um, and I don't want this to sound intimidating to people that don't have the time to do a lot, but, but uh, I've turned into a therapy junkie. I, I, the more I do, the more I want to do, uh, and the more I do, the better I get. So I'm not about to, I'm not about to slow down, but uh, it all starts with, uh, it all starts with um, finding a program, be it, you know, I attend a group w- with Brandon and we do a lot of, Byron Katie work, which is phenomenal. Um, so doing the work, it's called these these worksheets. They're incredible. I'm also a, a very strong member of Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm a chairman of, of two meetings, a Monday and a Friday meeting. I attend AA meetings. That's an incredible foundation for me. Um, I work with a lady that does uh, brain chemistry, understanding our neurotransmitters. Her books on Amazon, she's, she's incredible. I actually have one session a week with her and I understand what are the things that are triggering my thoughts. Um, exercise has become, you know, pretty much the foundation of my life. I mean, there no day can be complete without really, really quality exercise. Um, so, so there's a lot of, I, I set goals in my athletic endeavors. You know, I always pick a, a really cool race or a really fun event. Um, I do it with my wife, kids, family, friends, whatever. We always put something really neat on the schedule and work towards that. And, uh, and I never complete that event without, without already having the next event. And they're everywhere. Uh, there's so many great, really fun activities. I'm involved in a little kind of a s- informal hiking group, uh, hike with a couple guys on Fridays and stuff. So I do a lot. And like I said, you don't need to do all that much, but the more you do, the more you want to do and, and the better you'll get. So you're, the, the answer is how good do you want to get? Yeah. How hard do you want to work? Yeah. And how hard do you work, want to work on your mind? Understanding the mind and what causes the anxiety and the depression is that's kind of the key is you can get in and figure out what causes the stressors. That's when your life really shifts. Um, 
Another thought. What about uh, God? Uh, what's your belief in God? What does your God look like, Burke? That's an awesome question. I'm really glad you asked that, actually. Um, again, going back to my mom, who who is just, I can't say enough about, about her, and I, I wouldn't be here today, <laughs> of course, but she's she's done everything for me, and I, I love her to death. But um, I had a really close relationship with God growing up. I would go to church with my mom as a kid growing up, and she instilled that amazing foundation. She would say my prayers with me, and it was, it was awesome. I wouldn't trade that experience of establishing that relationship for, for the world. But as soon as I started drinking and, and doing the things, not conducting myself the way that I knew was right, I immediately lost my relationship with God. It was, it was just, it was nearly impossible to have a relationship with God conducting myself, you know, as immorally and incorrectly as as, as I could, which, you know, was, was a huge span of my life. And I did rediscover a relationship with God, uh, actually through AA, um, which, uh, which that's a big part of that program as, as anyone that knows about AA will, will attest to, but, um, the reconnectivity with God and a higher power has been a key, key part of my life. Um, I, I do have a daily, uh, conversation and prayer with God. I, I can share with you just really qu- quickly what, what my, what my day looks or what my, my conversation with God looks like. And basically I ask him to tell me where he needs me, what I can do for someone else. And I thank him for getting me to this point. I keep it pretty short and sweet, but I, uh, I, I definitely, I definitely ask God where he needs me and how I can help and do something for others. I love that. Um, here's a good question for you. When you're, when you're praying to God, who do you know is listening for sure? Well, so one thing I've learned in one of these, in this brain chemistry class I get to ask the question, and then I wait and I listen for the answers. Um, and it's so interesting what you'll hear if you'll listen. And we're we're always getting voices in our head. The thing is, is we need to learn how to filter those. <laughs> and when you're living a good, clean life, they filter themselves, and the good answers come. So when I say, "Where do you want me? What can I do? How can I?" best be of service, I'm actually able to hear those answers, and my day starts to shape itself based on, am I answering your question correctly, Brandon? Yeah. Well, sure. Any answers correct. <laughs> the, the question I w- I'm asking, though, is just something to consider. You're in your room, you're in your office, you're in your exercise room, and you're praying to God. Who do you know is listening for sure, without a doubt? I know I am. Exactly. So who are you talking to when you're on your knees? Yeah, me. You? Maybe you're just reconfirming what you want to see happen for you that day, but you're throwing out there, you're throwing it out there to God. And maybe God is listening and God is hearing you and God could, depending on what your belief system is, guide you in the right direction. But I do know 
Only thing I can know is that when I'm praying, I know I'm talking to myself and I'm reaffirming what I want to get done that day. You're so you're so correct. Yeah, we're 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 hearing that voice coming back, which is our voice that yeah, we're having a conversation with ourselves. I, I couldn't agree more. I think that's a great point, Brandon. I agree. Um next question, uh, do you believe in Satan? Well, boy, that that's a can of worms and and uh I think I should touch on it a little bit um i do i was possessed there there is no question i was possessed i uh we need to drag my wife in here and have her help answer the question but there was a time in which um uh, a close family friend has the ability to to determine if you are verified possessed and and we we went through a series of things. Uh, was Satan in me for a while? Yeah, I mean, when you conduct yourself, you know, when you can conduct yourself that way, I'm sure we've all got a little Satan in us when, when we're not doing things the right way. Maybe I don't know how to answer the question, but I, I do know that, that, uh, that, yeah, I felt, I felt like whatever the, the definition of, of Satan and evil and and the opposite of the previous question about God, I was experiencing that in my life. Yes, no question. Yeah, and w- here again, I'll ask you: Was that Satan existing in Burke, or was that Burke just believing the story of who he thought he ought to be in that moment? Yeah. Yes, it was Burke. It was Burke. Yeah. So I would almost question: You believed you were possessed by Satan. My question would be, if I look back on that and saw it clearly from a different perspective, I would say God had his hands in that experience and was moving the way, the only way he knew how to move you to get you to shift. Well, I absolutely, beyond a shadow of a doubt, know there was a lot of, whole lot of divine intervention taking place. There was a lot happening that I had absolutely no control over. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was a magical experience, the transformation and, and, uh, yeah. Yeah. Interesting question. Next, follow that up with, uh, so is there hell after this? Well, hell is the riot in your head, right? Hell is the inescapable road you're on that you know leads nowhere. Yeah, hell is, yeah, there is a hell. (laughs) There is a hell. And and we can, living hell is a real thing. (laughs) My question also is I know what living hell feels like, but I want to know if there's a hell when you move on from this planet. Does hell exist? There's heaven and there's hell, as religion has taught us. Do you believe that there's a heaven and do you believe that there's a hell? But first, speak from hell, do you believe? Well, like I said, I'm a little new with my re- rekindling my relationship with God, and I haven't quite got there on figuring out whether there is a heaven or there is a hell, uh, but I sure like 
my relationship I've got going right now and, and my lack of relationship I've got going with Satan. So I, I really don't know about their respective uh, locations, <laughs> but, uh, but so far so good. One, taking it one, <laughs> one, one step at a time here. And that's all we but can I, do. But I know one thing, I'm not going to hell anymore. So, sure. so even if there is a hell, I, I, uh, I won't be there. That's, that's comforting. Yeah, I just, you wonder if there's, uh, you know, hell was created by religion and you wonder if that even exists, or is that just a scare tactic to get us to le- live a clean, uh, whole, pure life on this planet? But I think threatening people with hell creams a lot of sh- creates a lot of shame and guilt on this planet, sure which does. causes tons of anxiety and depression when you believe that if you do one wrong bad thing on this planet that you might consider you could show up in hell. Um, I don't believe there's a hell after this. Some people do, but I believe nowadays what feels good, and if it feels good to me to believe there's not a hell, it sure allows me to relax and and live a good, kind, loving, amazing, you know, show up as a better human being when, when I don't have the fear of hell in the background. Yeah. That creates a lot of stress for human beings on this planet. So, um, uh, next thing to follow that up with, what about an ego? Do you have an ego? Uh, where do you live from? Do you think you live from, you know, I mentioned there's an ego and ego space we all live from. That might have been when you were going through your uh, journey with hell on earth. And... Where do you function from, mostly um, from your heart or your ego? Explain to me what ego, the definition of ego to Burke Priest is what? Oh, well, yeah, I've, I've uh, been able to check my ego uh, here a couple years ago, which was a big one and hard to get rid of. Um, so what is the definition of ego? I, you know, it's, it's, uh, that's a tough one. I, I got to think about that for a second, but I certainly know it, it drives us to, to do more and, and present ourselves or, or come across that we're, that we're better and impervious and smarter. And certainly money is a massive ego problem that, um, it just does not. I guess the defin. I guess my definition of ego now, if I think, it, it's 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 functioning with everything but my heart and my best intentions. Cool. And where do you live from mostly? Do you think you, on an average day, you live out of your ego, or or do you live from your heart? What's well, your there, there's no question. It's a it's a daily practice, and 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 I still work through exercises to mitigate and reduce and live out of not from my ego and live from my heart but uh you know i catch myself regularly and like i said i've got incredible tools that i work with now to uh to 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 recognize that almost immediately deal with the issue and try and avoid that in the future cool um, is there anything on this planet that, uh, well, I'm sure there is, but anything you want to share with us that 
uh, were, were something that you worked really hard at and it failed? And then also how that failure has affected your life today? Hmm. <laughs> well, I, I've failed at a lot of things. One in particular that I've worked really hard at. It could be just a any failure, something you attempted and it didn't work out, and it's been beneficial for you that it failed. Maybe. You know, it's always hard to look back on that I failed at not being able to control drinking. I failed at not being able to, you know, be a better spouse, failed at not being able to be a better father. I mean, the list goes on and on and on at just the way I conducted myself that produced really negative, poor results. So a lot of those things are, are failures. But I think the flip side of your questions, how did they, something f that I failed at turn, turn into a positive? And, you know, if I didn't fail at those things, I certainly would have never discovered, you know, this incredible new way of living, new way of perfecting my personality traits, my character, uh, uh, the ways I conduct myself, the the ways I, you know, do things for others, and 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 how I hope my future to be, I would have never discovered that had I not failed miserably, at uh, at several other things. Cool. Any uh, any human beings on this planet that that stress you out currently? Well, thanks to you. Why? No. <laughs> Thank <laughs> thanks to you. No. <laughs> Prior to starting to do worksheets, yeah, I did. I carried some resentment. But I can honestly say that uh, that after doing several, several Byron Katie worksheets, um, after going through the 12-step procedures of Alcoholics Anonymous, I, I have been able to re, you know, release and, and let go of the resentments or any of the, those types of things. What's your uh, thoughts on um, education? Uh, as far as explain to me your education, uh, maybe you could talk about your kids or how do you think the school systems are doing today and, and what they school did for you and maybe what school didn't do for you growing up? Well, I love that question, and, and you and I have kind of talked a little bit about this, but I've always thought thought I wasn't a very smart person because I didn't graduate college. I didn't this. I didn't, I never got good on good grades on tests or anything. And, and I always thought the smart people get good grades. Well, they do, but the intelligent people are creative. The intelligent people think things up, think through solutions, go beyond problems, fix situations, get better, grow, teach others. I think that's the definition of intelligence. And, and uh, so I'm very thankful to be an intelligent person. Now, of course, I wish I could focus a little bit and get a little more book smart <laughs> so that I could be a smart person. But 
maybe I'm not answering your question in, question entirely, but I struggled with school. I think it's an incredible foundation. I think it's an incredible test to get through the system, and really that's all it is. It's a test of the system. Uh, can you can you get an A or a B and move on to the next class? And it just shows that you've got a little bit of discipline and, and want to work your way through the system. When you get beyond high school, that system and discipline doesn't really play a role. It's what is your intestinal fortitude to get through life, to pursue life and its challenges. So anyone listening, I, I mean, I want to say do the best you can in school because it's really your way of testing yourself. Can you can you challenge, you know, can you work your way through the challenges of life? And and uh, I think our I think we're very fortunate. We've got an incredible education system. My kids my kids um, go to really good schools. They stri- my my son he goes in and out of whether he wants to do good or whether he doesn't want to do good at school. I love him regardless of what he does because he's a brilliant kid. He's very, very intelligent, meaning he's going to solve problems in life and be a very smart uh, contributing member to society. But I don't know, Brandon, I'm kind of rambling. I th- uh, my wife's, of course, a brilliant straight-A student that that, <laughs> that she thinks uh, our education system is absolutely imperative. Me, I... I dropped out of college so I could pay for medical school. <laughs> I, I was able to work my way through m- with my with my entrepreneurial abilities to not have any debt to go through medical school. Where all of her colleagues walked out with four or five, six hundred thousand in debt, and her, she had none. So, hey, I, I'm a I'm a I guess I guess everyone interpret it your own way. But man, it'd be nice if we could all stay focused and study, and also have some 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 intelligence and brilliance to go create new visions in the world and, and follow through with it. Yeah, wonderful answer. Um, and yeah, you were able to put uh, Nicole through school with your intelligent ability to start a business and have a decent income while she slaved through, what, eight or twi- twel- eight, 12 years of college education to become a doctor? Yeah. Cool. I love it. Uh, what's your, uh, speaking of school, what's your grade today or school? And would you rather be intelligent or smart? <laughs> I, I'm going to stick with intelligent. Um, I, I, I'm kind of, but, I, but I'm a student right now. I am a full blown student of life. So that's kind of interesting. That's a great question. Yeah. I've always, I like, in, I like intelligence, but I, I am in the thick of school right now. I am learning so much about how this brain of ours works, how our, how our thoughts work, how just, you know, <laughs> yeah, I'm a student right now. You're a hell of a student, and I'd say a, a, you probably get an A grade in earth school. So you're going through school right now, but it's earth school. It's not the typical educational system, but it's a a school that's necessary for Burke to find the better, higher, loving, kinder, truthful, honest self, right? Couldn't agree more. Absolutely could not agree more. So what's your grade currently at Earth School? Well, I, <laughs> I think I'm an A-plus because I'm a student, and I'm also working on a, a, a visionary entrepreneurial project, so I'm combining, you know, maybe a little bit of intelligence with a little bit of smarts, I guess, trying to put them both together. So I, I guess I'm enjoying my first A grade that I may have had in life. <laughs> Wonderful. What's your uh, number one passion right now on this planet? 
Um, sharing the message. I am enjoying speaking with people that are going through struggles that need the reassurance that they can get through it. I, uh, th- I would say that that is currently my passion is the opportunity to, to, uh, to lend a hand to someone. Couldn't have said it better myself. Um, I agree with you. That's what uh, Burke and I spend a lot of time speaking to human beings that are struggling. I meet with people often one-on-one, uh, have heard and dealt with some of the craziest stories that you could ever imagine. And uh, for all you listeners out there that are struggling, so far down the rabbit hole, you can't see any light at the end of the tunnel. I've been there. I believe Burke's been there, and I'm telling you there's a way out. Um, when you can understand how to question your thoughts and what's causing those terrible, painful experiences and thoughts to show up, it's amazing what you'll find. I know uh, with these worksheets of Byron Katie, I did a complete 180 in about 90 minutes. I was nearly on my deathbed and wanted to move over to to my next journey on the other side of uh, whatever is after this, and my life flipped completely. So there is a way out, and I don't care what you're going through. I've dealt with human beings that have lost kids, major divorce, bankruptcies. Um, I mean, you name it, I've seen it, and uh, it's amazing to watch people shift in about 90 minutes right in front of your eyes. They're holding tired demeanor shifts they sit up they're happy they're smiling and uh, they walk in to the meeting uh, or into my office and you can just sense their their devastation their fear their worry and uh, to watch all that turn around in a short amount of time is incredible so there is a there is a way out out there Um, what's your favorite movie Burke you've ever seen and why well, I, I mean, it's got to be Rocky, right? I, I, I think. It's <laughs> one of mine. I don't know. E.T., um, Stand By Me. Ooh, there's, there's, some, there's some good ones. Uh, if today was your last day on this planet, what would you do and why? I, if today was the last day, I'd help someone. Um, it's the greatest medicine and the shortcut to getting out of your own way. So if today was my last day and I didn't want a single thought obstructing my, my either not clouding my judgment, my vision, my, I mean, if I go help someone on my last day on earth, at least I can cross over to wherever I'm going on the other side with, with nothing in my way. Cool. Love that thought. Uh, what would you... Um What do you want people to know about you or think about you? Maybe today or when you move on to your next life, what do you want to be known for? Oh, that's kind of a fun question. Um, I mean, I want people to, to know I'm adventurous and exciting and I love to try and do anything. I I don't ever want them to think I'm reckless and irresponsible, which I was for a lot of years. Um, I want them to view me as a, as a giver, not a taker. 
I want them to to know that my intentions have have been good despite the things I've gone through. You know, I've always tried to to I've always set out with good intentions. Unfortunately, I just got derailed quite quite a few times. But I definitely want to be known as a as a giver, not a taker. And uh, I've got a little makeup work to do, but I'm I'm on that path. Yeah, good for you. And it is nice to know we've always got work to do. And and uh, uh, Burke says he's got a little making up to do. I think we all do, and making amends to other human beings that we've hurt or misled or been dishonest with that's that's one of the crucial ways to be able to move forward on this planet is you know getting all the garbage out of your soul oh it's cleansing it's you feel so light yeah it's amazing but making amends in itself will change the way you see others and and the way you kind of see your world so it can be a simple letter. You can send an email. You can write a letter. You can even write the letter and sometimes not send it just to get out down on black and white um, is huge. Yeah, the more personal, the better. Just anyone who's, who's who just caught on to Brandon's comment on how to go about doing your amends, I, I can tell you, you know, don't take the easy way out. If you're going to make a, an amend, do everything you can to make it as personal and in person as you can. That's my that's my advice, having just recently gone through a, a very intense series of amends. Yeah, I love it. Um, couldn't agree more. Yeah, some people uh, are all in different, uh, what I want to say, different um, ways they're dealing with their issues and, and all their pain. And I think we're all at uh, different levels of understanding and making amends, so... I agree 100% to go and have a personal conversation is by far the best, but just to, you know, sometimes it's baby steps. Yeah, I, I'm sorry, I should have said that. Any step you make is a massive step, but I experienced personally some true miracles with face-to-face, one-on-one, in-person amends. So as if you start the amends process through an email or a text message even, and you can meet that person uh, one-on-one in person, you know, face-to-face. It's, I, I've had some of the greatest experiences of my life through the amends process. Yeah, I love it. Uh, what's the, maybe one of the best thing that's ever happened to you, and then what's also one of the worst things that's ever happened to you on this planet? Well, my, my wife, it, you know, hands down, it doesn't even, I don't, there's not even a hesitation. That's that's the best thing that's that has ever happened to me. Um, she's she's just truly incredible, and I I already talked on that and the fact that she gave me a second chance to be with her. Um, and everyone everyone I hope listening will will get those second chances in life because you can always be better your second time around. I won't I won't say any more on that. But uh, once once we're awake and once we once we know where we're going, we have the opportunity to be better to those that we love than we ever did before. Um, and what's the worst thing that ever happened to me? The worst thing that ever happened? I guess, I guess that I didn't wake up sooner. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good answer, but boy, would I do anything to turn the clock back a good 20 years and be able to to be able to <laughs> have these resources and this and live this type of a clear light life with 
that that's full of incredible relationships and communication and and miracles and magic when you live this way the best years of your life are in front of you sure uh with that being said though too like um that experience you had burke for going off the rails for 10 or 12 years was so necessary for your growth spiritually you know mentally being able to actually see and and um be willing to work hard it's uh I think these crises that we go through on this planet are completely necessary to shift and to see and understand ourselves and other human beings in a better light. So, yeah, we all wish possibly our journey was different, but also every single day, every single hour, every single minute, and every single second of that journey was so necessary to even get you in the chair that you're sitting at in front of me today. Couldn't agree more. I, I do now realize that. I guess I don't have a greatest regret then or a greatest the, the, or the worst thing that's happened to me. I can't actually quite say because everything did happen the way it was supposed to to get me right here. and I, I wouldn't change anything. So to say, what's the worst thing that ever happened to me? Well, even if I could identify that, I, I don't think I'd go pluck it out. Sure. I love that thought. So even that worst thing was part of your plan, right? Yep. That worst thing that happened was God getting you to shift. Yeah. So what's wrong with that? Nothing when you're seeing it clearly. Uh, what's your biggest fear? today what's your biggest fear today and why who the heavy questions now everything's heavy here bro <laughs> you know that's what the listeners want to hear what scares you every single human being on this planet experiences fear in different kinds of levels of fear well I guess for me, the word change sums it up. That's probably my greatest fear. I mean, anytime I feel like, okay, I've got my diet figured out, I'm eating really healthy. Well, that food's not available or or whatever. I mean, that's a bad example, but that resource is not available. Anytime I get my exercise regimen, oh, well, you know, that gym's closed or it's a snowy day or blah, 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 blah. You name it. Anytime you have to change, and actually, you know, I'm sugarcoating it. What am I going to do with my future? Okay? I'm sugarcoating it with these small little examples, but change is the basis for my fear, and and change is who am I two years from now? How do I remain the type of person I want to be? How do I not screw it up again in the future, how do I top what I did last year? Oh, I did all these different, you know, athletic events. Now that's ego, of course, but they keep me going. And so, how do I do that again? I'm I, there's no way. So fear, change is is the thing I fear the most. And, and I guess if I were to just really cut the fat and and wrap it up. I am afraid of who I will be and can I be who I want to be going forward. 
Can I accomplish some of the things that I think I want to accomplish? Can I get where I want to go? Can I, you know, can I pull it off? Can I pull off the life that I think I want to live? That's the scary part. Yeah. So your biggest fear is living up to your expectation of what type of guy you're going to be in the future. That I think I want to be. Yeah. That, that, yeah, I feel like there's a comeback kid that, that I've had to create. So I've conditioned myself to say, well, here's who you have to be to prove to the world that you can be something. And can you live up to that? So, yeah, that's the scary part is getting rid of that story. And you, when you believe that story, how do you react? Fearful. You're scared. Yeah. What so else? when I don't believe it, man, I'm as happy as can be. <laughs> So when you believe the story that I got to be that guy in the future, notice how you feel when you put that pressure on you. I yeah, it shows I, up for you. Yeah, I started to squeeze my hands together and got yeah. all tense and yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't want to worry about being someone that I have no idea who it is. <laughs> and what images show up for you when you believe that thought that I got to be this guy in the future? Yeah. What do you see? You believe that uh the uh the mayhem in my head again yeah scary yeah future anxiety anxiety right and then who would you be without that thought oh i would be who i am today light extremely light in my shoes excited to see and talk and be with others um yeah yeah, when I drop that, it uh, it allows me to be who I currently am living. So that thought of the future, if I want to be that guy that's, that you're afraid of who it may be, causes a lot of fear. Yep. Causes a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety. And so how do you be that guy right now if you're worried about that guy in the future? Continue to hang around you. <laughs> You didn't know I was going to hit you with that, did you? Oh, I knew there was probably <laughs> a a, uh, a curveball coming. But you know what? It's daily practice, too. Sure. I mean, it's proof that, you know, I've been doing this stuff with you for a couple of years now, and I, I work very hard every day trying to drop the stories in my life, and they're still there. They're less and less and less, and that's why I don't typically have anxiety. I don't have depression. I don't deal with depression because I'm getting rid of all these things, but yeah, they, they sneak up on you and, uh, and worrying about who you want to be. Yeah. And that's the ego back to work saying, Hey Burke, Hey Burke, Hey Burke, look at the future, look at the future, look at the future. And the ego is just trying to get you back to the present, but it scares the hell out of you until you question that fear of, I'm afraid of who I may be in the future. Yeah. Then you question the future and the fear, go through the four questions. Who would you be? With the thought, scared, fearful, worried, anxious, who are you without the thought? You're free, excited, you're present, you're right here. You know, no worry, no stress. Uh, I mean, it, it's it's a life, it's life-changing experience when you question your fears. It's kind of why w- we like to ask people what their biggest fear are. It's, is, you know, it helps you find out what causes some of your 
anxiety on this planet. What do you think causes your fear? As far as was there a situation that happened in your life that caused you to worry about, hey, I want to be this guy in the future? Was there a day in your life when you believed you weren't that guy? What causes the fear? I mean, isn't that just thoughts about a situation? Recreating a... Yeah, thoughts cause all of our fears and anxiety and our depression. Thoughts run your world. Thoughts thoughts cause all your emotion. What is it? Think, feel, act, have. Mm-hmm. You have a thought. Makes you feel a certain way. And then you act on that thought and that feeling. And then that's what you end up with. That's what you have. So yeah, thoughts are what created, but like typically something's happened in your past that's caused you to believe, I want to be that guy, like I'm not enough. What was there an event in your life or an experience when you were a kid or a teenager when then you believe that that in a certain situation Burke Priest wasn't enough? Wow, that's that's a great question. I I can't I I'm not sure that I can identify a particular situation, but yeah, I always you know, had a lot of mentors and people I idolized, and I always thought, man, I want to be like that. I want to try and do that. When, yeah. But you've never had an experience with a group of people or another human being where you feel like you weren't up to their level? You know, I was always a little bit, well, not a little bit. I was always a lot different than everyone. (laughs) And so I was kind of a little bit of an outcast um, I was just always doing different things. So, so yeah, I always stood on the sidelines of, of, of the, of that world and always thought, oh, you know. Hmm. Yeah, just in, in my experiences, I've met with people daily, weekly, I notice if they have a fear, that fear wasn't created today. That fear was created 10 or 15 or 20 years ago. And then we take that fearful thought and we put it on the present, and that causes anxiety. So usually, typically, you could go back and you sit in it long enough. You can go back and say, yeah, in fifth grade, I remember these kids were picking on me, made fun of me. And uh, uh, ever since then, I've packed that story that I wasn't enough and that I got to do better and I got to work harder and I got to continue to be a better me. Yeah. I I certainly recognize some of those feelings from junior high and high school, for sure. Yeah. I just remember an experience. I moved when I was 16 years old to California. I remember going to a high school and didn't know a single soul. Uh, Here comes lunchtime. I was scared to death. Here I was a popular kid around Salt Lake City in my high school, knew everybody. Uh, And then you leave this world as you know it and you go to some place on this planet you've never been and you sit at a lunch table by yourself you go out and hide you know in the bleachers and make sure nobody sees you eating alone because you've never had this experience in your life before and so now when I look back on my life and what how much anxiety and angst and depression that has caused as far as being alone it, it, it's caused a lot of you know pain and suffering over the years which now i understand what it was for yeah wouldn't trade it for the world it, it's made me a kinder more loving more understanding i love humans i always have 
and it's made me shift into where I can be on the same level with people that maybe feel like they're outcasts. Yeah. You know, I'll sit down with a local bum down in Salt Lake City, never met in my life. I'll haul them to lunch, sitting there in the corner by themselves. Hey, buddy, how are you doing today? You want to go to lunch? I might not have ever asked that question or hauled a stranger to lunch had I never sat by myself at lunch. Yeah, I think that's you so know? key. So that's it's great. all these experiences that show up for us create a better, more compassionate human being. And I think that's why those scary, um, what we believe are scary or stressful or not desirable events show up for us so we can, you know, learn how to be a better human being. Um, What would be your dream job, Burke, on this planet? If you have any job in the world today, what, what would you be doing? Well, um, I mean, actually, I'm in the process of kind of creating it right now. <laughs> Fill us in. <laughs> I'm working on a project right now where I'm, it's called Adventures Anonymous, and I'm taking people in the earliest stages of alcohol recovery, and I'm, I'm being a resource for them, uh, supplying them with with adrenaline to, to replace their addiction. So I'm, I'm exposing people to some of the high adrenaline sports that I've done my whole life, uh, giving them a small taste of it. And, and, you know, my goal is just to kind of turn their compass one or two degrees, just get them pointing the other direction, seeing that the, what the world has to offer, that there are so many exciting replacements for, for these things that we poison our bodies with, you know, and, and so uh, it's it's a new project. Uh, it's a 501c3. It's a nonprofit organization. So, you know, the company, will, the growth of the company will be dependent upon, you know, the 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 donations and donations and the philanthropists that that I'm able to expose my project to it. That they that they recognize what I'm trying to do. But um, I've just got so much so much talent and skill and background in in teaching people how to and facilitating these these motorized sports and uh i'm well underway the company has legally been formed the 501c3 tax exempt irs status has been achieved we've got a board of directors uh some of the fundraising is well underway we've got some equipment and uh, and have already facilitated already taken out our first few clients and and we're i'm building a company i'm doing it the old-fashioned way one step at a time and one day at a time but uh you know, that's my ideal job. I get to go out and recreate with people that need an outlet. I love it. Yeah, we spoke about that a few months back when we were on vacation. And what a and genius idea. And it's actually underway. It's formed and it's happening as we speak. I love it. Yeah. Let me know if I can be involved anyway. I'd love to Thanks. assist and help out. I think it's a great uh, idea and uh, opportunity you're giving to those in need. Beautiful. Thank you. And without your experience of going off the rails and your experience of 10 or 12 years of pure hell, you might not have even considered starting this business that's going to be your dream job. Yep. Lovely to look back on and notice where life is pushing you. 
you know, life's always working for you. We believe it's working against us. It's always pushing us to a better place if we can just trust uh, the ride that you're on. If you just ride the wave and the wave gets rough, uh, it might tumble you and bounce you off the sand a couple of times and roll you over and try to drown you. But if you keep your head up, keep putting one foot in front of the other, you never know what might show up. You might even show up. Uh, you might end up with your dream job. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah. I love it. Um, uh, what's the favorite place you've ever visited on this planet or maybe somewhere you'd like to visit? Oh, come on. That's easy. It is? BVIs. Oh, shit. Burke's one of the lucky ones that's been able to venture out to the British Virgin Islands. That was, Chase and I talked about that on the last podcast, but. In all seriousness, uh, Southern Utah's got my heart. The deep, dark desert where no one can find you. I mean, I'm talking in the in the gnarly places that, that rarely get seen in Southern Utah. That's, that's where the good stuff's at, but I shouldn't be saying that on air because I, <laughs> I only want to save it for myself and for the customers yeah. that I take down in there to save themselves. Yeah, Burke, don't give away all of the Utah secrets. I know, Hell, that's true. It's already a zoo down there. That's true. Uh, what are you real curious in, uh, about presently? Anything you're real curious about? We already know I was going to ask you what you're passionate about, too, but you just explained that to us. But any real curiosities that you have today? Oh, my curiosity is is completely out of control over brain chemistry and over, you know, the foods we eat that trigger the emotions, that trigger the the serotonin, the dopamine, the norepinephrine, the exercises we do, the, the things that writing with your left hand, your non-dominant hand, can trigger how your brain works different than writing the exact same thing with your right hand. I am just absolutely blown away with what's going on in our brains and what we can do daily to make these little corrections, these little changes that can completely change our course in life. The smallest daily inputs can change your life. You mentioned earlier you were afraid of change. <laughs> and you're writing with your left hand to change And brushing my teeth and using my computer mouse. Your brain. So is it true you're really afraid of change? Boy, it's the unknown. I'll tell you, it's way out there. I'm afraid of the change that I don't want to change. <laughs> you're afraid of the negative change? Yeah. <laughs> The unwanted changes. I want the good changes, the predictable <laughs> changes. No, you know what? I'm, I'm, hey, that's part of my daily quest too is, is not be afraid of, to deal with my fears. That's why I, that's why I brush my teeth with my left hand. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Get your brain to shift a little. That's that you're right. Afraid of shifting because you don't like change. My favorite saying: actions change thinking. I love it. Actions speak louder than words. I've been repeating that often lately for the last month. And boy, if you watch people's actions more so than focusing on their words, that's pretty much the the true human being that you're dealing with. Don't always attach to the words or you'll get yourself in trouble. Words can be deceiving. Watch actions. They're huge. It's hard to lie with your body. Um, anything I didn't ask you today, Burke, that uh, that you might want to share? 
Oh, anything you didn't ask me. Um, you know, I, I guess I would just say no matter how far down the path you've gone, no matter how how bad you have it, no matter how wrong your wrongs are, everyone can turn it around. Everyone. It really doesn't matter. You can change and you can come back and you can live a different life. Every single person can. Cool. Appreciate you uh, sharing all your knowledge today, Burke. And uh, you're an amazing human being, and uh, I'm proud to be able to call you my friend. Uh, how could our listeners contact you? Uh, maybe some addicts, some possible alcoholics that are trying to move on and curb their addiction. Uh, what's a way, maybe an email address that you could share with our listeners? Um, uh, how they could contact you and ask well, you some questions. Well, I'm pretty old-fashioned. I don't do any of the Facebook, no media, no anything. I just, uh, you know, that was one of the biggest parts of my recovery in life is staying as clear from those things as I could. I, I don't I don't mean to imply that people shouldn't do that stuff, but in my case. So, anyways, you won't find me on social media. I do have a website, adventuresanonymous.org. Uh, that is the new business that I'm involved in, so please take a look through there. Uh, an email address in addition, Brandon? What if would you like, suggest? Yeah, throw an email address out there. Yeah, my email address. To you personally. Real, my email address, real simple. It's just my name, Burke, B-U-R-K-E, Priest, P-R-I-E-S-T, at msn.com. Thanks, brother. I appreciate you uh, sharing today. Uh, final thought here, guys. Um, uh, this Minds Gym podcast, uh, m- my big motto is uh, uh, save your lovely self. And I just want you guys to remember there's only one person on this planet that can save you, and that's yourself. You're the creator of your own reality. Once you completely understand this and find your truth, your entire world shifts. I want to thank you for your support. Um, I'm doing my best as a human being to be a better person every day and change the world, and especially uh, my world, uh, one human being at a time. If you could please like and share this with at least two friends. We can all change the way we see and live in this world together for the better. Again, thanks for your time, taking your time out of your busy day to listen to my lovely guest, Burke, and myself. You guys are all pure pure love at your core, and you can actually change the world. Uh, we all can. Uh, we're twins. If you have questions or would like a one-on-one life-changing discussion, you can t- contact me on Instagram at yourturbolover. You can email me at themindsgym at gmail.com. That's themindsgym, M-I-N-D-S, so themindsgym at gmail.com private message me on Facebook uh, at Brandon Bickmore Uh, and if you have any guests you'd like me to interview please send me your referral Uh, I thank you all again for listening peace out and uh, I love you all Uh, my nickname's turbo lover one day I'll share with the world why Uh, but uh, um think I do the best at meeting new human beings and and I love them with all my heart and soul immediately without any stories so hopefully we can all figure out 
how to be better at doing that one day. And uh, we'll catch you guys again in a couple of days. Thank you.